This is the Voice of the Land podcast with your hosts, Kevin Arnold and Nick Paulus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another edition of the Voice of the Land podcast. This is season three, episode 14, our NFL draft preview special. I am one of your hosts, Kevin Arnold. Alongside me, as always, my brother, Nick Paulus. Paulus, how's it going, man? Doing well, doing well. Hanging in there. Week 94 of quarantine, so hanging in there. Yeah, seems like each week becomes one month as we go through this quarantine time. And, of course, our producer extraordinaire behind the proverbial glass, Peter Tellup. Peter, how's it going this week? It's going. I mean, we're (laughs) still working from home and uh, trying to... To keep things moving i guess it's uh i feel like i'm working more now than ever though yeah definitely uh definitely working more now than uh than ever trying to especially working from home trying to make sure that the with everybody working from home trying to make sure the internet connection stays up throughout the week but of course this is going to be our nfl draft preview so we have actual sports to talk about and we could talk about it for a whole week for at least eight days and of course we'll have a special guest joining us here in just one moment but Just as a reminder, we are partnered with Web Streaming Studio by LPV and NEO Sports Network. We want to welcome all listeners on the Cuyahoga Valley Radio Network, CuyahogaValleyRadio.com, where you can hear the Voice of Land podcast every single week, every Saturday at 4 p.m. Of course, follow us on Twitter at VTL underscore POD. Same handle on Instagram as well. Like us on Facebook at Voice of Land subscribe hit that subscribe button head over to youtube.com hit that subscribe button search voice of land podcast hit that subscribe and of course throughout the week you can always find us on all the major podcast platforms on google spotify and apple and hey if you're an apple podcast user why not hit us with those five stars hit us with a review and what you like hearing throughout the week as i mentioned this is our draft special and we do want to dedicate this episode to always positive jay who is supposed to join us today and has been a big proponent for developing our virtual draft party which we will get into all those details in a little bit we do want to dedicate this episode to him he was not able to join us and dedicate it to his family as well with the uh loss of one of their family members and we also want to send our prayers condolences thoughts out to his family at this difficult time as well as the Fence to Maker family uh, with the loss of their cousin. They've been one of the big proponents and big listeners for our podcast as well. So in these difficult times, all of our thoughts and prayers are with you guys at this time. Now for this draft special, we needed to have some draft gurus because Paulus, I mean, I know you've always been in the draft. I've always been in the draft, but I don't know if I've ever considered myself a guru, but we know somebody over at ESPN Cleveland and we want to welcome one of the producers over there, and a great musician as well, Michael Bohm to the podcast. Bohm, how's it going, man? Oh, I think it's going pretty well, all things considered, guys. I'm really excited to be a part of this and just have the opportunity to talk a little draft with you. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Of course, um, you know, Paulus and I both uh, interned at ESPN Cleveland together. We got to meet Michael Bohm, and Bohm was uh, one of those guys I know has helped Paulus as during his time working there, but definitely helped me as well. Had a lot of conversations with Bohm, uh, just kind of getting, picking his brain and getting to know what the industry is really like and what we need to know as we work our way into the industry as well. 
Bo, we know you, but our listeners may not. They, if they don't listen to ESPN Cleveland as as much, and you've been heard on ESPN Cleveland tonight, but just give people a little bit of background about yourself, how you got into the industry, and also the music side as well. Sure. Well, uh, I always grew up very passionate about Cleveland sports. It was that in Ohio State, and so when I was, at, I went to Beachwood. So Cleveland, born and raised, my whole life. And when I was at Beachwood High School, it was basically Ohio State or bus for me. And that was like the only school I wanted to go to. And so I ended up attending the Ohio State University. But throughout that whole process, uh, sports radio, like I listened to ESPN Cleveland as a kid all the time Mm -hmm. growing up. That was something that I always kind of in the back of my mind had an interest in. Um, But I went to Ohio State for a lot of different things. And after working a couple of internships, quickly realized that those weren't the business side uh, wasn't necessarily for me working an eight hour desk job for the entire day. I just, personally, I couldn't do it. So after I graduated from Ohio State, I realized that I missed out on the opportunity to get an internship with ESPN Cleveland because you got to do it for class credit. So I did that. I, well, I enrolled at Ohio Media School um, because that was really the way for me to get the start because I realized this was something that really interested me now that I was back in Cleveland. I was I'm, I was still playing in a band in New York, but that wasn't like a full-time job. And I still am playing in the band uh, and now balancing that with ESPN Cleveland. But as far as I know, we're going to get into the draft. So real quick, as far as my interest with the draft, that goes back to 2007 when I really fell in love with it. Like I was following it prior to that, but that year I had such a man crush on Calvin Johnson. Um, I, <laughs> Megatron. I that, didn't we all Megatron? Hell yeah. yeah. I was totally convinced that the Browns were going to take him if he was there at three. Uh, and so at that time I was not even 15 years old yet. Oh seven. Yeah. So uh, I remember when he went second overall to the lions, I, I cried and that was like, that was <laughs> That's now that that was the Jamarcus Russell draft, uh, and then we got Joe Thomas at three. We, so, so I really shouldn't be all that upset. I mean, we got a Hall of Famer, right? But like I, I was so in love with Calvin. Jo- I was so enamored by his skill set. Like he was so good. I, I mean, obviously Joe was one of his kind as well. I shouldn't. Yeah. But yeah, that's just a little background, I suppose, for some context as far as my interest in this draft and everything. Now, did you ever hear the story about how Lane Kiffin, because they took Jamarcus Russell at number one, wanted to draft Calvin Johnson at number one and how that would have changed history like everywhere? Because then you would assume Jamarcus probably would have went to either Detroit or because I don't believe they had Stafford yet, or he most likely would have went to Cleveland. Oh my gosh. Wow. I didn't, I don't think I ever heard that. Yeah. Lane Lane Kiffin came out and said that if he had his choice, he wanted to take Calvin Johnson, but Al Davis told him, I want the strong armed quarterback and they chose Jamarcus. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, it's, it's not all all that often that you get to say, man, we should have taken Lane's word on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. Fascinating story. I'll have to look more into that. Yeah, that is a that is a rare case to uh, to take Lane Kiffin's word for anything in <laughs> in the game of football. Um, but uh, but Bowman, it's actually interesting. I I actually didn't know that you attended Beachwood High School. And uh, so, what year did you graduate? I graduated in 2011. 
Okay. So, so you were, uh, you were a couple of years behind me, but I was, I was at Wycliffe. So we may have crossed paths a little bit in those, in those CVC battles, those Chagrin Valley conference battles. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I played against Wycliffe. I remember vividly in soccer in middle school. In foot, I played football from my freshman year. I hurt my knees. And so I switched to golf. Mm. I don't know if you played on the golf team at Wycliffe. No, I was, I was, I was playing soccer. So uh, now I don't know since it was, a, since you played in middle school, I don't know if we ever got to play against each other though, because, you know, I was in eighth grade. I think you probably would have been in sixth grade at that time, but, uh, but Beachwood and Wycliffe had, especially at that time, it was, we were only uh, when I was playing my seventh grade year was only the second year of the program. And uh, so when we always had like a tournament at our, uh, at our middle school every single year, and Beachwood and Wycliffe, we always had pretty good battles. And I actually took on a coaching role with with the team after that. But it wasn't until I got to college. So I would only do like the summer workouts for community service and then started coaching once I got to college. So uh, definitely a lot of a lot of battles, a lot of good battles, good rivalry there between Wycliffe and Beachwood. Oh, yeah. I have some memories of taking on Wycliffe. Um, maybe not in the same sports. I mean, I remember playing him in soccer in middle school, but like I said, yeah. in soccer in high school. Mm-hmm. But I remember taking them on in golf but yeah good times we had some we had some decent golfers but i don't know that our program was ever like top tier or anything like that at least there was like a couple of good guys but there wasn't there wasn't enough interest at least in golf which i always found found weird i think a lot of those guys that played golf or i always saw like them posting pictures of on the golf course they were the football guys and they just they didn't have time to play both sports were you a trash talker on the golf course (laughs) like the tiger pumps you know if you made a Well, Nick, you know me. I'm not one to talk a lot of trash. <laughs> I, I like to let my performance do the talking. See, Boehm, you definitely would have remembered me if we would have played soccer against each other in middle school because I was one to talk trash and let the performance speak for itself at the same time, especially when I got to eighth grade. My coach would tell me, man, I've created an animal out there. I don't know what I don't know what to think. You were so quiet in the sixth grade math and now in eighth grade soccer, <laughs> you're just talking trash. And I don't know what I've done to you. Hey, man, it could make you guys better. I mean, yeah. theoretically, you could get in their head a little bit. Break, break them down and then wear them down on the field too. Oh, trust me. I had some, uh, I had some kids kind of looking the other way and kind of like during the headlights kind of look once they started talking <laughs> to them. So, you know, I threw some people off throughout my day. <laughs> Anything to win, right? That's what, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but now in these days, we are all talking sports. We don't have the ability to, to play them anymore. We get to kind of analyze and talk about what's going on in sports. And we are here to talk about the NFL draft, but to jump into this, to, to kind of get the party started here, the Browns did release their uniforms this week, and there's going to be a lot of Browns talk throughout the week on who they're going to draft, things like that. We'll get into kind of how those scenarios may fall here in a little bit. But just kind of you guys, for all of you, actually, just a brief reaction to when you saw the uniforms, was there a lot of intrigue to it? Were you upset like some other people were? Or was it just like, okay, we've gone back five years to what they used to look like. Now we can just kind of move forward and look like the Browns once again. I'll start off here. Um, I really thought I was super excited to know that we were going to be getting new jerseys. Obviously, the jerseys that we got five years ago just didn't do it for anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was, you know, the Browns, you know, the the letters down, you know, along the leg siding or the Cleveland up top. I kind of like the Cleveland up top at first, but then I 
grew to dislike it. Whenever I think of those jerseys, I, I just think of, you know, one in 31. I, I just mm. think that it's like the worst time for a Browns fan, you know, or, you know, for our fandom. And we ended up getting some really solid players in those jerseys. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, you know, ended up getting, I mean, the entire core of our lineup, you know, you know, came from those jerseys there for us. But the way that I'm looking at it is I, I love the step back in time. Uh, I never really had any issues with those previous jerseys. So I'm, I'm, totally fine reverting back to those and and the way that i'm looking at it because i really i haven't picked up a jersey in probably 12 years the last jersey that i purchased was a jim brown you know authentic jersey i wear that everywhere it has stains all over it it's it's a nasty <laughs> thing now but i'm looking to upgrade it and i actually posted uh on our facebook and twitter polls uh there for us which jersey i should you know go along with mm-hmm. now i am a firm believer that that nick chubb that 24 that white jersey is yeah. the crispest jersey i've ever seen that jersey is fantastic but i can't wear white because i'll i'll the first day that i get it, i'm gonna spill barbecue sauce all over me i already that, know it. that or your rainbow unicorn bang you're gonna spill all over that that's right that's let right. me guess we, i knew you were gonna pull that sponsored, out as soon. Sponsored, <laughs> sponsored by bang um, but so I, I asked, you know, all of our fellow, uh, Twitter people out there, uh, to help me out. And it's a, uh, because it was between Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb for the home Browns Jersey, uh, 68% of people say that I should get the Chubb Jersey, the Brown Chubb home Jersey. I think that's the way I'm leaning. I'm probably going to make that purchase today, uh, and not receive it until September. So, because well, if you call in though, I think you can get it within a couple of weeks. Oh, I made that a mistake. Right? Yeah, I followed our our fellow buddy Emmett Golden in ordering offline, but it goes through Fanatics. So those jerseys aren't really like mine is saying. I actually did buy one. I bought the Baker Mayfield Color Rush, and that's actually the first jersey Browns jersey I've bought for myself. The okay. other two that I've had in the past have been bought for me. I had a Tim Couch jersey, like the orange one. And then I had uh, the Baker Mayfield of the the old look, uh, what they just had the brown one with the Cleveland across the chest. But I just brought the I just bought the variation of the color rush. I want to get the Jarvis Landry because you know how big we've been on Jarvis Landry in this podcast. Bless him, Wallace. Bless him. That's it. That was our that was the motto that we kind of took on as soon as Jarvis Landry got here and started saying that, and we heard that on the uh, Hard Knocks. TV show on HBO. I didn't see the Jarvis Landry in the color rush yet. That's the one I really want. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to help the proceeds because all the proceeds right now, if you do order through the Browns are going to hats off to heroes. So helping out all those first responders, frontline workers. And again, we want to send all of our well wishes to them and our thanks to them as well. And I just want to do my part. And so I went with the Baker Mayfield on there. Boom, how did you uh, how did you feel about the jerseys when you first saw them release? Yeah, so overall, guys, I really liked them. I thought, obviously, it was improvement from where they were coming from. And then to go back to the old roots, it just it made sense to me. Now, if we really uh, if we dive into them, I like the way how the numbers they look a little they look really sleek. They have a little mm-hmm. bit of like more curvature to them and all of that. If we're gonna nitpick, I will say that as someone who travels from time to time because uh, as we talked about at the top, I do play in a band. So occasionally we'll go on the road or something. I love to rep Cleveland. I love to rep Ohio state. And so I guess if I'm nitpicking, 
the jersey they got rid of it saying like Cleveland or Browns, you know, where it used mm-hmm. to say it. But like yeah. that's a cool thing. Um, and I, to your point, Nick, my favorite number has long been 24. I'm like OCD with the number 24. Okay. So I really want to get a Nick Chubb jersey, but I don't want to rain on this parade too early into the show. But longevity is a concern there because we know he's going to be demanding top dollar being the elite running back that he is. But and, I, and you're 100% right, Boehm. You have to take into account because you don't want to – that's why I'm honestly terrified of picking up a Baker Mayfield jersey. Because sure. what, what if he reverts back to what he did last year, you know, right. ends up throwing 20-something interceptions and we go 6-10 and 10 again. And, you know, like it's old Cleveland and it's stuck in my head, but we know, like, I want someone that's going to be here for the long haul. That's why I think it's between Jarvis and Nick Chubb because at least we know we're going to have Chubb for, like, five years. And then we know we have Jarvis. I mean, Jarvis has already made the Pro Bowl two times and, you know, with the Browns, you know, so a couple more Pro Bowls and you can kind of see that being a a well worth sort of jersey. I don't want a Joel Batonio, even though he's probably the surest thing that we have on this team. Right. I mean, that brings up a good question, Paul. I mean, I know I've heard a lot of other people, a lot of other uh, either podcasts or radio broadcasts kind of talk about this. But who do you guys think is the safest player to buy a jersey for right now on this Browns team? That's a good question. I think it would have to be, in my mind, either Miles Garrett, who's someone that I feel confident that the Browns will lock up uh, mm-hmm. beyond rookie contract, or on the other side of the ball, outside of offensive linemen, uh, because it <laughs> seems like an unpopular opinion to want an offensive lineman jersey. Um, Chubb feels like a good option, because it see- but I would honestly – put my vote with Baker. And I, I think that you're completely justified in your concern of Baker, Nick, he's really got to turn mm. it around this plain and simple. But I think that at the same time, there are a lot of reasons to feel confident about him being able to turn it around this year. And I mean, that's, that's a great point. I think that he's going to have a great season. Um, but then again, I also thought he was going to be a top three MVP candidate last year. I mean, you know, we, we dealt with Freddie kitchens, you know, we, we already understand, like there were a lot of things that you know, were yeah. in and out of his hands uh, to work this all out. But I, I think Baker's Baker's a good option. Don't get me wrong. I think you're dead on with a miles uh, prediction because I think we are going to lock miles up. Uh, after this year, I think you know he's going to lock up to like a five or six year contract. I mean, worth hundred million dollars, and you know, kind of go from there. So yeah, I mean, those are probably two of the safer options. Uh, you know, the offensive lineman once again, Joel Batonio. If anyone wants to yeah. go there, you know, we did just sign Jack Conklin to a three year mm-hmm. deal. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe you know we got him for the next three for sure. So I'll tell you what. Sorry to interrupt real quick. If they were to end up with Ezra Cleveland, you think that a jersey that said Cleveland on the back would be a popular jersey? Hell yes. Yes, because then, you could, yes. Keep, cause then you could just keep using it because it's almost like you turned it into – if he doesn't pan out here, it's like you turned it into a uh, – like a I guess your own personalized jersey That's that right. a lot of people have talked about doing as well, trying to get that personalized version. Well, you're paying the regular jersey price instead of the extra for the personalization – and then if Ezra Cleveland leaves, it only says Cleveland on the back. And you're like, well, I just I got it to say Cleveland just right, because perfect. I support this team. And this is my favorite number. That's all you got to say. I mean, well, I, I mentioned, guys, I, I had that one hold up with the jersey is the fact that it doesn't say Cleveland or Browns anywhere on the jersey. 
Yeah. Uh, and like rep it out of town, maybe around people who aren't necessarily sports fans. If it's got Cleveland on the, on the back, I've got no excuses. I was going to say, now you, you you're kind of hoping you know, that they trade down a little bit, huh? No, it, no it's a silver lining. There's a silver, silver lining. <laughs> a, little, a little tease for how that, uh, how that move may resonate with, uh, with <laughs> Bohm and some of us here on the podcast. Um, you know, just to kind of wrap it up here with the, with the Jersey. I mean, I, I, kind of tweeted out i didn't really have reactions to him i was kind of like meh about him because we did go back it's it's definitely looks a lot better a lot cleaner i'm would have been okay if they would have just kept it with the traditional look back five years ago and just added some like unique alternates to it like that outlandish alternate like that's that's what i'm looking for like keep the tradition but then bring a little new school into it and you know the jerseys are going to start to look better because all the technology that nike uses in their jerseys and kind of the material that they're using, it's going to have a fresher look to the same kind of color scheme. Cause you could look back to like the eighties, uh, even the nineties, like that, uh, that old school mesh that they had on those jerseys and like the bigger, uh, bigger pockets of the mesh material there on the, on the jerseys. So like now you have that dry fit material that fits a lot sleeker. Right. So it's going to look a lot better, but still with the traditional look, and then, like I've always said, I mean, I said it last week, I, I've always kind of wanted to see some sort of gunmetal gray with the orange accents on there. Because I just think that that would just, that would just pop and it would be a fun new age alternate, outlandish alternate. And then it only gets worn a couple times. You're mainly focused on the tradition. Yeah, I think the gunmetal gray, I mean, you and I talked about it last week. Uh, the gunmetal gray would be a sweet look. I know that the Pro Bowl did the gunmetal gray a couple years back. I think that was whenever Joe Hayden was with the Browns. And uh, I mean, it was a sweet look uh, that Joe was rocking, you know, for that Pro Bowl. But we'll, uh, you know, what, you know, right now we have what we have. You know, at yeah. least for the next five years, maybe they'll integrate uh, some of the uh, orange pants. Uh, apparently, that's something that J.W. Johnson said that he wasn't aware that we were so concerned with. Right. And he said that that is going to be back on the table. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to be getting their wishes, you know, for some orange, uh, uh, some orange pants here coming up. Yeah, I mean, they can they can add them if they want. It, it'd be, you know, it's just a lot of people wanted those. I saw some people. You're never going to make everybody happy. It's just not going to happen. If you're on Twitter, you're definitely not going to see just all positive, uh, all positive tweets. Um, you know, unlike our man, always positive, Jay. Again, you know, thoughts out to them. We, we love you, Jay. But a lot of people, you're never going to please everyone. So I was I wasn't didn't have a reaction to him, but it's not like I, I hated him or anything like that or had some sort of strong reaction. It's just. That's how Twitter goes. And you'll see that kind of Twitter reaction on Thursday night as well on the draft. So as we switch gears to the draft, we kind of already mentioned one of the prospects that Browns have been linked to in Ezra Cleveland, if they trade down just overall and, and Boma, I want to get your kind of thoughts on this to start off with, because Paulus and I've kind of talked draft a little bit over the last couple episodes, just your feeling on how this draft is going to go with the virtual element to it. And not having all these pro days and people and guys coming in for workouts, how the evaluation, what teams should be, or what are they looking at to evaluate these players to make the best decision? Well, guys, I, I expect it to be fascinating how this plays out, right? Because the dynamic for all of these front offices is just entirely different from what they're accustomed to. And so I think a lot more weight is going to be placed on the scouts. A lot more is going to be placed on the film. 
Um, and so what these guys are evaluating, it's going to be a lot less of these teams going to pro days, meeting with these guys, bringing them into their own facilities, and instead having to invest that stock in how they're performing on the field. And then maybe you get a 30 minute or, uh, you know, a video interview with mm. the prospect. And that's the extent of your opportunity of getting to know them. Um, and so it just, the whole dynamic is going to be so fascinating and it could completely uh, alter the way that these things played out compared to the ways that the media has been mocking uh, certain prospects to go. Right. I mean, if you consider how some of these players draft stocks get out, it usually comes out of pro days or when these players visit facilities and their agent potentially might leak something. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of that, it's out the window. It's not happening. It's just the video interviews is the only extent of it. And so if you look at the Browns video interviews, I, I know I'm going on a lot of tangents here, but if you look at like, the guys <laughs> that the Browns brought into interview, it you might wonder if whether they're actually considering drafting all these guys or if they're actually trying to bring them in is perhaps another means to gain insight into these prospects. Uh, whether it be like Jeff Okuda, mm. I don't think they're planning on Okuda dropping to ten, barring some crazy circumstance. But right. uh, there are some, there are plenty of other guys on Ohio State that I think he would speak highly of that he might have insight into that a lot of other people can't get. Like Damon Arnett is a potential name who could be there in day two that the Browns are looking at. Um, or I love Malik Harrison, the linebacker. I don't want to dive into all the prospects right off the bat with this question, but. Yes, Kevin, there's a lot of exciting things <laughs> come Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, uh, let, let me jump right in here, Kevin. Um, we saw last night, and you and I, we were texting last night, Makai Becton, yeah. failed drug test. That is someone that a lot of people have been mocking, you know, the Browns too, well, especially over the last week. I think it was uh, uh, Mel Kuyper actually mocked Becton going to uh, the Browns in his last, uh, in his latest mock draft. What sort of drop off are we going to see on that? And is that something that if Cleveland, let's say there's a quarterback, let's say Justin Herbert doesn't get taken by one of those top, you know, six teams, uh, therefore, is he falls to 10 someone like let's say like the Patriots want to move up is that realistic that the Browns could move down to I think they're 19 or 20 21 right around that time frame is Mekhi Becton going to drop that drastically it's a good question guys because firstly the one thing that I don't know if it's entirely explained is how the changes in the CBA affected these uh, drug testing rules like Firstly, the fact that it was released that his test was flagged. Now that they changed the policies with marijuana, can we assume mm. that this is not th this is not anything related to THC? Uh, like, is he potentially flagged for some other reasons? Right. So it's ultimately hard to say, and that's the other thing is we don't get access to these medicals and like the details into these certain things quite like the teams do, but. Honestly, I don't know if that'll be the make or break for him because this is the offensive lineman who has the highest ceiling in the NFL draft. Now, he's not necessarily there uh, quite to the level that's, and we'll get into it, of like uh, Andrew Thomas or Judge Wills, but uh, this is a guy who I think his upside is so unavoidable. And then obviously the freakish uh, length and size that, of, I mean, he's a mountain of a man. It's going to be really hard to pass that up. And so we don't have the, all the details, as I said, but I wouldn't expect it to impact his draft stock all that drastically. Right. And I find it interesting that these, I mean, these tests come out. I mean, I know that the 
some of these medical tests do take a little bit of time to come back, but the reports don't come out until around this time, like right around the time the draft happens. And it, if it does, if it does happen, it kind of can hurt a guy's draft stock. And we don't know what Mekhi Becton or some of these other prospects that Ian Rappaport of NFL Network is saying that they tested positive for as well. Everybody kind of just went to the marijuana card. And I know that with the new NFL bargaining agreement, there are kind of lenient, more lenient rules on testing positive for marijuana. But these test results don't come out till now. And the, the combine was Oh, a little over or a little less than two months ago, just right around that amount of time. It's kind of interesting that these things kind of come out now and now teams have already talked to them. They've kind of wrapping up their evaluations at most. And now they have to go back and probably try to look into and talk to Makai because we haven't heard from him uh, either. As dumb as it is to get caught. You know, right. Because you know, you know you're going th- to the combine. Right. Because because you know that. It's not like a Laramie Tunzel situation where it's day of the draft. Someone finds you yeah, with a gas mask smoking a bog. Like, thankfully for him, you know, he can kind of sort of explain himself. Maybe it was a diluted test. Who knows? Um, if it's a diluted test, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, you drink a ton of water, you know, at these yeah. sort of events. It, it doesn't bother me one bit. But if it is something harder than weed and who knows, you know, we're, we're not sure of it as of yet. But if it is something along the lines of that, I mean, then you're going to have to take into account not I don't want to say like, oh, how dumb are you? But that was a pretty stupid move on your part doing something within a month of the uh, you know of the draft. Well, if we just not to get too far into this, but in, in terms in terms of these hypotheticals, but what's the alternatives here? Like, what are the other things that could potentially lead to a flag test? Probably like a performance enhancing drug steroids field. Yeah. Like, so honestly, maybe the best thing that could lead to a flag is the fact that you ingested THC of some kind, maybe Yeah. like considering the alternatives, but then nowadays, would you still be flagged considering the changes in the CBA? A ponder will hopefully find out more on Thursday. Right. And it's, I think that that whole picture of Laramie Tunsil from a few years ago would take on a whole different meaning this year uh, with everything we've kind of been going, going through and probably could have explained it a little differently on why he was wearing a, why he was wearing a gas mask for uh before the before the draft because he was you know cooped up in his house trying to make sure he was protecting himself sure but, yeah that, uh, that's the reason <laughs> that's the reason hey i'm just i'm just saying i mean we know what the reason was back then but it could have taken on a whole different life of its own this year with what we've been going through just to you know try to bring a little levity to everything that has been going on there so so let's dig Let's transition. Let's dig deeply into into the Browns. And I know that I have seen plenty of mock drafts where each of the tackles has been mocked to the Browns. I've seen all top four have been mocked to the Browns in some form or fashion. What's uh, Boehm, from your perspective, what is the what is the look of what the Browns are going to do? And are these potential reports of trading down? Does that seem more accurate to you than? them actually staying at 10 and taking one of the top tackles if they're there. Well, guys, it's funny you mentioned that because this is uh, this is silly season, as some may call it, but there really does seem to be a lot of smoke trending towards the direction of the Browns trading down. And there's a lot of factors to consider going into that, but ultimately, to me, 
it's going to be pending the offer, right? Like if we're talking about a team like Denver who was linked because of their interest in trading up to get the first receiver off of the board. So trading up from 15 to 10, I feel like I'd be more willing to do that because you could still come away with not only more resources, but potentially one of those big four that you alluded to um, versus trading down further. Like uh, earlier on, you mentioned trading down with the Pats or I know the Eagles are interested in having quiet aggressively about CD lamb. So they might have to trade up to 10. So trading back down to those twenties, you're probably going to drop off a tier in terms of the left tackle that you take. You might not even take a left tackle with that first pick anymore. Uh, So I think that at the end of the day, I think the thing that would make me happiest with that round one selection would be coming away with one of those four. Now I I have my personal preferences. I I'm an Andrew Thomas guy. Um, I love Tristan Wirfs as well. And then I, I did say Beckton has the highest ceiling of any of these linemen, but I would also contend from uh, just to play devil's advocate, advocate i think josh allen had the highest ceiling of anyone in that quarterback class now it's not the same situation but what does that say about what these guys can do out there on the field especially immediately like uh, a guy like becton um he's not going to have that the same offseason that these rookies would be accustomed to in terms of developing getting uh, adjusted to the new playbook and to the to a new league that's a level up so I think a lot of these guys that are coming in more raw, they're not going to have the same degree of pro readiness that you might see out of rookies in previous years. So might perhaps give the Browns who are more inclined to win now with all of these guys on their rookie deals, the intention of getting someone who has a higher degree of pro readiness, but yeah, a lot to ponder. My personal preference is that you stay at pick 10 and get one of the top tier talents, or maybe just trade down a little bit. Uh, and get and hopefully come away with one of those big four. Now, one of those uh, one of those trades that you were you know talking about possibly was uh, Las Vegas Raiders are at twelve. Now, if they give you twelve and a third round pick, is that something that you would jump at if you were in Andrew Barry's shoes? Yeah, and that move makes sense, right? Because you've got the Jets at eleven, who even though I think. Drafting a left tackle makes a ton of sense for them because you've got to protect Sam Darnold and their free agency moves. They they lost that on Conklin, who they were rumored to really want, and instead got George Pant. So uh, they, there's still plenty of room for improvement there. But yeah, there's still a massive need for a receiver as well. And so it makes a lot of sense for the Raiders to want to jump ahead and potentially come away with the top receiver in the draft, whoever they perceive it to be. Uh, one of those, whether it be C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs, one of those, I guess we could call them the big three. Um, it makes sense, and that's something we're only trading down two spots, guys. It makes a ton of sense for the Browns because you're not missing out on all that much talent, and uh, I think that you would just expect a receiver to drop off ahead of the Browns. Like That's why the Raiders would be trading up there. So there's potential for maybe losing out on one more tackle, and if all if three of the four go before pick 10 and then you potentially lose out on one more, I might be more hesitant. We need to see how it plays out. But theoretically, that move makes a lot of sense. And I think the odds of how things play out, uh, that would be a move that would be very appealing to the Browns. Okay. Now, just to double check and make sure, you did say that you are a fan of Andrew Thomas. Would he be your number 10 pick? So when I think about it, I there's reasons that I can make a case for Jedrick Wills. Now we already have a right tackle in Jack Conklin. And so there's more of an unknown in terms of you'd have to convert Wills to the left tackle position. 
Um, I can tell you from an interview I heard from him this offseason that he has been working diligently, taking reps, uh, not be, albeit not real live game reps, but taking <laughs> reps, attempting to build that muscle memory at the left tackle position uh, while also continuous, continuing to work on his reps, the right tackle uh, during this offseason training. Uh, but he, he is the best, in my opinion, the best pass protector in this draft class. And I think that this is probably this Browns team. When you look at them, they're probably going to be a primarily a run first team. They're going to rely on that, that zone, that wide zone scheme that everyone has talked so heavily about. So maybe you want to opt more in the direction of a guy like Becton, who is just a straight up road grader, um, who I think is one of the best run blockers in this class. But I love Wirfs. I think he is probably the best run to run blocker in this class and then he also has the tremendous upside as a pass blocker the athleticism is just we saw how he tested in the combine but i andrew thomas is my guy for a number of reasons primarily being the fact that he's got the greatest sample size against the best competition for the most part now works you can make a case is close and i think it's almost like a 1a 1b in terms of uh thomas and works i am completely content with either well i'm happy with either either <laughs> all four of them frankly right but, uh to me those those two are just neck and neck uh but andrew thomas is someone not only does he have the largest sample size people don't really recognize the athleticism that is there because he's just being compared to tristan Wirfs, who tested out of the gym but i think that andrew thomas deserves plenty of credit in his own right he had the better times in terms of agility drills three cone um, and the uh, shuttle time, but he also has longer arms than Mackay Beckton, so he might not be as tall. But he's got the longer he's got the longer arms, and that length goes a long way as well. So, like I said, I'm happy with all four. Uh, there's a number of reasons why I I have my preferences, but Andrew Thomas is my guy. But I would take all four. I mean, one of any of all four. Yeah. Now, Paulus, have you developed the guy that you're looking at for them to take at ten? Or is there, are you just, are you like boom, where you'd be happy with all of them, just have a couple more higher preferences out of the four than, than others? Uh, the way that I've been looking at it is I'm okay with any of those four tackles. If, if they, if any of which would fall to 10 and someone's going to fall to 10, someone's going to overreach for a quarterback. Someone's going to go, uh, you know, try and it, this is one of the greatest wide receiver classes apparently of all time. So a lot of people are going to be trying to maneuver their way in getting the person that they really want to get. I think that means that we're going to see at least two, if not three of those tackles fall directly to us at 10. If that happens, I'm okay with any of them. A little behind the scenes for everyone here. Uh, I tried to get Tristan on here today. DM'd him. I was hoping to get a hold of him. I got ghosted. It happens. But it would have been awesome to get Tristan on here just to you know talk shop a little bit because I it, I feel super comfortable and this is you know this is the Cleveland bias in me. Uh, he, he stopped on with Riz and uh, Hammer this past week on RBS and he was going to town. He had great answers. He sounded awesome, you know, in, in his interview setting. And that's something that. 
as as a fan, you know, that's someone that I want on my team. I want good interviews. You know, if you are as equally as good on the field as you are off, you know, compared to some of these guys, if you have the higher interview, you know, aspect of it, I would much rather have that person. I'm okay with any of these guys, but after listening to Tristan Wirf's talk on RBS, that's someone that I could, I, I would love to have here in Cleveland. Yeah, he's got that magnetic sort of confidence, right? Like you just, you just, you hear him talk and you feel like he's going to go out there and deliver for you. And it's definitely makes you feel good about potentially putting him in an orange and brown uniform. And I'm reading the uh, the little chat that we have on the side. Uh, Wirfs came out and told uh, Hammer and Riz that switching from the right to the left is basically switching hands while wiping your butt. And it's such a fantastic line. Uh, I absolutely love it. But if they were to you know possibly trade down to go and get that Cleveland, uh, you know uh, Ezra Cleveland, how's that something that would you know possibly how would that look to you? Because Ezra is outside of that top four. I mean, you're looking at probably, you know, going down into the twenties at that point in time. Yeah. So I will say that I don't want to take my chances by trading down too far with a guy like Ezra Cleveland. And uh, I mentioned, you know, that gap between where media potentially have players projected versus where teams might have them projected. And so certainly an NFL team would have a lot more insight than us from the looking in from the outside, but um, a guy like Ezra Cleveland, I mean, you're looking at ahead of him, potentially Josh Jones, maybe Lucas Niang, who's primarily a right tackle. So there might be less positional value there, but Austin Jackson, maybe, but I love Ezra Cleveland. If they were to trade down, he's one of my top uh, names as a left tackle in that tier below the top guys. I mean, he's just, he tested incredibly well at the combine. Like I pulled up his profile from uh, Mock Draftable. I don't know if you guys know that site, but they, they just take all of the uh, physical and testing information and put it into percentiles. But like, he, I mean, 6'6", 3'11". Uh, but he's also, he's got a 90, 90th percentile, 98th percentile, 94th percentile for all of the testing categories, 96th percentile, 40-yard dash. I mean, this, this guy is an athlete, but I think that he's also relatively technically sound too. So, I mean, he's someone that I'm not opposed to. Now, the question is ultimately going to be, what was the offer that the Browns got that led to them being inclined to trade down? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to be offered, you know, a second or a third round pick or depending on how far down you have to go, that's something that, yeah, you definitely need to uh, take into account. Uh, I want to know a couple of because I know that you're such a deep diver whenever it comes uh, to these drafts. I want to know who some of the steals of the drafts that you're looking at possibly getting in later rounds, you know, second, third rounds, even uh, who's one of those players that really sticks out to you that someone could get a steal later uh, in the later rounds. Yeah. So when I think of the Browns, their needs and who they might be looking for positionally in those middle to later rounds, I would imagine that maybe they might take a swing at a linebacker, a cornerback, a wide receiver. Um, and so there's a few names that I, I really like in those regards. As far as like a late round linebacker that I think could be interesting, um, one of them would probably be because everyone's heard about Zach Bond from Wisconsin. But right. He was in the news. We talked about um, the failed or flag test of Mackay Becton. He had a flag test as well, although we know the reasoning for that was it being diluted. Um, but even though Zach Bond was getting all the attention, I think that Chris Orr is a 
a guy out of Wisco who could come in and ideally eventually work his way up to fulfilling that same role that Joe Schobert had as an inside linebacker. And then you could potentially have bring back the bash brothers that were once started with uh, Joe Schobert and Mac Wilson. You could keep that going. Uh, but so that's one name. There's a lot of linebackers and just, I, I know we're kind of going on here, but uh, <laughs> one name, Willie Gay, I think is fascinating because he tested out of the gym at the combine. Uh, he missed last season, but it's completely different circumstances than Antonio Callaway, uh, not to draw those comparisons. It's an interesting story. It's a couple of things. One of them being that he punched his quarterback. <laughs> so, you know, that'll do it. All right. Yeah. But, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of linebackers that went to like smaller schools that I think are intriguing. Logan Wilson out of uh, Wyoming or Akeem mm-hmm. da- uh, Davis Gaylor out of Appalachian State. But then just real quick to cover a couple of other positions, because I love the wide receiver position. I mentioned that Calvin Johnson story. So, one name that intrigues me, and I know I'm a Buckeye through and through, um, but Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think that Jim Harbaugh in Michigan held him back so tremendously uh, in his time there. Uh, but he is another incredible athlete who I think could complement these, uh, these receivers that the Browns already have so well. I mean, guys, there's so many names I would love to dive into. I'm sure there's a lot that we will get into on Thursday as well. We're going to have some time to kill. Oh, yeah. As as the names get picked off the board, we're going to be uh, digging deep into there because we're not just having this virtual draft, just being Browns fans. Yes, we're going to have Browns fans jumping in from time to time and we're going to be excited about it. And it is a big time for Browns fans. However, we're going to dive into every single pick and we're going to have Boehm on here to help us kind of break down how that helps each team, what it might mean if the Browns have to face that team this year and what it means for uh, going forward and what kind of impact these players can have and breaking them down a little bit more. So we'll have our own ver- our own version of, uh, of Mel Kuyper on there. So when we, uh, we'll, we'll have all the reaction, and then we'll, we'll turn over to our draft guru, Michael Bohm, uh, during those moments as well. And just so that you guys know, while we, do ha- while we are talking about the virtual draft, we are going to try to go live on YouTube with our virtual draft. Now, Paulus and I are going to try to jump on around 7.30 p.m. on Thursday night before the draft starts. Of course, I got to make sure I get out of work on time. I think I set that up. <laughs> Hopefully I did. Uh, um, but uh, shh, nobody, they don't have to know why I'm leaving work early, though. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to try to jump on at 7.30. It's going to be kind of the typical crew for Voice of Land, and then we're going to have people jumping on and we'll kind of introduce each person as we go. We may have some special guests just for a little bit of time. We may have people throughout the entire draft. We're going to try to go through the entire first round on Thursday night. And, of course, we will have our regular broadcast next Saturday. And who knows, depending on when we get to record, we may record during the day three where it's really up in the air on some of these guys and can break down uh, some of those steals. And we'll get uh, Bohm's take on some of those guys left on the draft board before we come on on Saturday as well. Now, taking a look at just overall on this draft board, Boom, just to kind of, as we kind of wind down this draft conversation this week, or at least for this podcast, looking at a couple of the guys like Chase Young, who would, if you were to compare him to the Bosa brothers coming out of Ohio State, how would you rank those three players in terms of prospects and how you project them and their careers going in the NFL? Yeah, so to me, Chase Young coming out is... I would rank him ahead of the Bosa's. 
Um, I think he's probably the most dynamic, complete pass rusher coming out since a Miles Garrett. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, he is just the way that he dominated games and opposing offensive linemen on the field for Ohio State. It was just unparalleled. Watching him, um, and I, I watch him closely just because I love watching Ohio State closely. Um, but when I saw him out there on that field, it was on another level compared to, yeah, I mean, you saw that same sort of dominance from the Bosa brothers, no question about it. Uh, but it, to me, it was still on another level uh, with Chase Young. I mean, he had the just the complete package in terms of the speed, uh, the strength, and the way that he his technique as well. I think he was using it in spots where it just looked brilliant. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Chase Young. In my opinion, he's the best player on this draft. All right, uh, Mike, we're gonna we're gonna be wrapping it up here in just a second. I'm gonna give you three to four different scenarios, and I want you to kind of and let me know uh, five years from now who's gonna have the better career up to that point in time: Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield. Mm. If I so, if you were asking me to rank prospects, I would probably take Burrow over Baker. But I'm going to take Baker in this question because of the the supporting cast and my lack of faith in the Bengals overall to get things on the right track in that mm. short five-year window. Uh, I think the Browns are already just miles ahead in terms of who they have as a coaching staff, talent they have. So give me Baker in that one. Tua or Kyler Murray? I'll go with Kyler. I think the the injury factors are a major concern for me with Tua, not because – I mean, we're seeing all of this smoke come out now, right, of Herbert suddenly seeming to go ahead of Tua. I don't know if I buy that. I think Tua's still I, I don't top. either. I don't. Right. But, guys, I think there's some legitimacy to the concerns over his injuries. Even though he's passing his physicals, the reality is he was still getting injured frequently at Alabama. And he's only going to be getting hit by even stronger, bigger opposing players. So, uh I have some concerns there, and that's why I would go with the uh, with the other option. Right. We always say best ability is your availability on this podcast, and our like we already mentioned Emmett once before, yep. but Emmett always talks about, and even Gerard, Gerard Cherry on the next level, those guys always talk about once you start getting hurt, even as young as you are, once you start those injuries, those major injuries, unfortunately, they don't stop. I, I got two more here for you, Mike, and then we're going to transition to our uh, last question. Okay. Uh, Stevie Lamb. Or Juju? Uh, I'll, I'll take CeeDee Lamb. I, Juju was just, he had some incredible production uh, at USC. But to me, CeeDee Lamb is wide receiver one in this class. Uh, and I, I think that in some ways he has shown some freakish ability. Uh, just the way that he has a knack to come down with the football in any sorts of situations on all three levels. Uh, I'm a huge fan of CeeDee. And I think that, I mean, this is a star-studded class, guys. For him to yes. be on that, I think, speaks volumes in terms of just what I've – not just me, but what a lot of people believe <laughs> he could be in this league. And finally, uh, J.K. Dobbins or Josh Jacobs? Well, in this case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Buckeye bias here. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah. And, look, Josh Jacobs had a – unbelievable rookie year i was a i was a critic after he didn't test so well at the combine i mean his 40 time was like a four eight or, or no i mean a four six or something ridiculously yeah. bad uh disappointing at least um and 
he but he came out there and he was really impressive. But I feel really good about JK and not just for what he was able to do on the field, but the leap that he took, guys, from his uh, second year to his final year, uh, just the the massive improvement showed me that he has that ability to continue on that trajectory um, and that he is willing to put in the work. He realized the benefits of it and he was putting it in and he's going to continue to put it in. So I feel very good about his career. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I know that I always see you on Twitter, uh, boom, kind of talking about all the prospects coming into or the recruits coming into Ohio state too. So you're always breaking these guys down from basically their high school time. And, and then once they kind of transition into possibly being NFL draft prospects as well. If people want to kind of get that kind of take and that breakdown from you, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at Mr. M-I-S-T-A Bombastic, B-O-H-N-Bastic. Uh, and yeah, if you want all the Buckeye recruiting and NFL draft takes, that's where you can find them. And occasional music as well. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I knew, and I was going to promote your, your Twitter handle, but I kind of wanted you to do it. Cause it's, it's just hearing it is one of like the best Twitter handles that I, that I follow out there. And it just, it sounds amazing. But like I said, a lot of great breakdown of the recruits that come into Ohio state and what it can mean for that program. Uh, so if you're a Buckeye fan, definitely check them out on Twitter, but also uh, draft analysis as well. As you heard on the podcast already, if you want more of that, Follow Mr. Bombastic on Twitter. Now, we're going to close out with just a fun little question here. This is going to kind of go outside the draft because we're going to get into the draft even more on Thursday night. So we got plenty of time to keep breaking that down. But, Paulus, not only did you post a poll on Twitter and Facebook yesterday about the jersey, the first one that I saw, which was very random when I got the notification that you retweeted VTL's VTL underscore POD's tweet, was when you think of Harrison Ford, <laughs> what character do you think of with him, whether that was Han Solo, Indiana Jones, or something else? Where are the poll results at right now? Where did this question come from? Yeah, as of right now, it's like split 50-50 because uh, I posted it on Facebook as well as uh, on Twitter at the you know at uh, VTL underscore pod. Uh, I'm looking at Twitter's poll right now. It's 52% Han Solo, 46% uh, Indiana Jones, 2% other. They didn't give us the option as to who they would you know, put as that uh, comment there for us, but that's okay. Um, the the reason for it is I, I just randomly started you know watching Star Wars. You know, just I just popped in <laughs> right. Empire Strikes yeah. Back, and uh, you know, Wait, so I you start know, with Empire Strikes Back. No, no, no. I, it was a New Hope, but I didn't okay. come up with the question until okay. Empire. Okay. All right. Just making sure you start at the right spot there. <laughs> right. And I just started thinking, I was like, you know, like, do I associate Harrison with Han or Indiana? Personally for me, I go Indiana. Um, I, I don't know why it just, you know, the immediately he pops my head. Every time I see him, I just think of, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the theme song, dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. you know, like it, it immediately pops in my head. So I'm going with, uh, Indiana Jones. I wanted to get all of your guys' reaction though. Uh, let, let's start off with you, Mike. Uh, who's, uh, who do you think of? Well, to me, both are acceptable answers guys, but for me personally, I have, I was exposed to Star Wars before Indiana Jones, so I just mm-hmm. I feel like you know naturally that's the image that stuck with me because I just yeah. I be to witness Han Solo before Indiana, but that would be my answer. I'm going with Han. How about you, Peter? 
Uh, you know, I'd have to go with Han Solo, um, mainly because I've watched Star Wars most recently with my kids. <laughs> so it's kind of like um, <clears throat> my youngest one doesn't really watch Indiana Jones so much, and the older one mm. does, loves it. So, um, but that's a, that was a good question because I thank you. As soon as you put, it, I'm like, <laughs> damn it, who? Who do I picture? Because it is right. They're both right. such Made iconic characters. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't make me think, man. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? We're we're in quarantine. We're not supposed to be thinking over here. That's right. That's right. How <laughs> about you, Kevin? Um, it's definitely Han Solo because, like Bohm, I was definitely exposed first to Star Wars and more so throughout my life. I've been exposed to and kind of and kind of liked Star Wars more. Indiana Jones, not that I don't like Indiana Jones, just I'm going to just kind of, I rewatch Star Wars all the time. Sure. I don't rewatch Indiana Jones as often. And every sure time it's awesome. I know, <laughs> trust me, I know. But every time I watch Indiana Jones, I'm waiting for Harrison Ford or Han Solo to pull out a lightsaber and, you know, kind of. A lightsaber? Right. So, because like I'm seeing. How about him a blaster? As, I'm seeing Han Solo playing Indiana Jones. It's kind of, gotcha. that, you know, I, that's why I attribute him more to the Han Solo role than anything else. Why don't we yeah. drop the Indiana Han Solo crossover flick? Ooh. Ooh, there, there we go. There we go. Well, how about how about this? Because I asked this to a couple of my buddies just outside of, you know, outside of the Twitter world. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came up with uh, Dr. Richard Kimball from yeah. The Fugitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was fantastic, or the president of the United States with yeah. Air Force One. Yeah, that's wasn't he also Air Jack Force Ryan? Ones. Yes, he was Jack All Ryan. Right, so. Yeah, it, and he was also in that what? Well, he was also in that Amish movie, right? The where they're hiding out. <laughs> I can't remember what the heck the name of that one is. That's I, an old one. I mean, yeah, I, I think I can picture, but I can't remember what the name. I'm is just, either. I'm just dating myself. I'm older than all you guys. <laughs> Well, the other one that came to mind for me was American Graffiti. Well, that was one of his first ones, I believe. It, it um, was. That's an awesome movie. Yeah, that was a great flick. Yeah, that's that was definitely a great question to post out there, Paul, to kind of get things going. And, and of course, I mean, I know the, the poll may end when everybody listens to this podcast, but just reach out to us at BTL underscore pod on Twitter and let us know who you attribute Harrison Ford most to, which character role you attribute most to him. But that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the voice land podcast. We want to thank our special guest, Michael Bohm for joining us here today. Thank you so much, Bohm. We look forward to having you on Thursday. Yeah. Pleasure is all mine guys. And Kevin, I genuinely appreciate the kind words as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Trust me. It's all, it's all genuine. And like I said, I appreciate everything you did for me during that internship as well. And all those conversations that we had back then. Um, but for Nick Paulus and also Peter Tellup and Michael Bohm, I'm Kevin Arnold telling all of you sports fans out there, remember, follow us at VTL underscore pod on Twitter. Find our podcast on Google, Spotify, and Apple. And, of course, thank you to all the listeners on the Cuyahoga Valley Radio Network. And remember, don't let anyone ever tell you it's just a game. And we love you all, 3,000. We'll see you on Thursday on YouTube for the NFL Draft.